The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello to all in our injured senior, elderly, and aging population community. My name is Stephen Heisler, and I am the founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center. And you are listening to the latest episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. Now, the Injured Senior Podcast is a show dedicated to discussing legal and medical issues of vital importance to the injured senior, elderly, and aging population and to their children, loved ones, and caregivers. I want to say thanks to the National Injured Senior Law Center for their very kind sponsorship of this podcast. There are over 100 million seniors in the United States, folks. And I I know I repeat this every week, but uh, there are just a lot of seniors that are in the United States and the National Injured Senior Law Center is there to help when a senior is injured due to the carelessness of another. Go to www.injuredseniorhotline.com for more information. So, who in our injured senior audience remembers the year 1976? Not only was it this country's bicentennial anniversary, it was also the year that the Cincinnati Reds beat the New York Yankees four games straight in the World Series. It also was the year that the Academy Award Best Picture was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I still remember the movie. Jack Nicholson was fantastic. So 1976 was a memorable year. But for the purpose of this show... 1976 is extremely noteworthy because it was the year that 34 people died and over 200 conventioneers got sick at the American Legion Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was determined that those who were affected at the convention fell ill due to a bacteria that caused pneumonia, which became known as Legionnaire's disease. Here to talk about Legionnaire's disease and why the senior population should be particularly concerned is Dr. Janet Stout. Now, Dr. Stout is president and director of Special Pathogens Laboratory in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She is an infectious disease microbiologist and is recognized worldwide for seminal discoveries and pioneering research in the Legionella bacteria. Well, welcome to the Injured Senior Podcast, Dr. Stout. Thank you for having me. Uh, And it's a real pleasure to be with you, Steve, and your audience. Thank you so much, and it's really, really uh, great to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's awesome. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what uh, directed you to become... Uh, interested in Legionella bacteria. 
I think our I think our inquiring minds want to know. Um, well, for me, uh, there's a little fate in the story, but it was it was really interesting to hear your introduction and talk about the American Legion outbreak in 1976. And it wasn't actually until about six months later, in early 1977, that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention announced. Uh, that the cause of that outbreak was the bacteria, Legionella, Nemophila. And it took them that long because it wasn't a, uh, a new bacteria. It was a newly discovered bacteria because it didn't grow uh, on our classic uh, media in the laboratory. And it was only uh, really two years later that I came to Pittsburgh to go to the Graduate School of Public Health uh, to study microbiology and infectious diseases. And it was at that time that fate took me to the Pittsburgh VA Medical Center, where they were investigating many, many cases of hospital-acquired Legionnaire's disease and doing seminal research um, at that facility. So I became sort of that free uh, labor graduate student, um, and that was uh, the beginnings of my career in studying Legionnaire's disease. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but it uh, you do a... <laughs> You're given a, you're doing a great, uh, great thing and uh, serving a lot of people with the uh, research you've done and just all that you're doing. Um, for the listeners who don't know Legionnaires' disease from, you know, from anything, they've just never they might have heard of it, but just don't know what it is. Can you give them maybe a little uh, information about what the disease is all about? Sure. So Legionnaire's disease is a very severe form of bacterial pneumonia, uh, much more severe than many of the others that uh, might be out in the community. And I say it's very severe because about 98% of the people that get this form of bacterial pneumonia end up hospitalized, and many of them in the intensive care unit on a ventilator. So it's a the other thing to remember about Legionnaire's disease that's a challenge for physicians that might see you if you have Legionnaire's disease is that the symptoms aren't any different than any other form of bacterial pneumonia. High fever, cough, about 20% of people might have some diarrhea. So the symptoms are very nonspecific. So it's a challenge to make the diagnosis. The reason that's important is if you don't get on the right antibiotic quickly, you can die uh, from this infection. And about 20% of people that get it in the community die, and about 30% will die from it if they acquire this disease while they're in the hospital getting treated for something else. Wow. You said 30% die? Yes. Oh, that's that's alarming. That's, that's really, really scary. Now... Can you tell our listeners where the Legionella bacteria is found? Uh, obviously, we know that it's waterborne, or uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier. So, what type of water sources are they discovering the Legionnaires? Well, we'll go back to that 1976 first outbreak that we recognized, and it was the air conditioning system that was implicated in that outbreak. And on top of buildings, there are these units called cooling towers. And in that cooling tower is warm water. And, and drift or mist comes off the top, and then it got sucked back in, into the building air conditioning system. And so cooling towers are one source. And then the major contribution that we made early on in our studies was that it wasn't just cooling towers. It was actually the source of exposure for the people, the patients at the VA hospital, it wasn't a cooling tower. Legionella bacteria were coming out of the faucets and showers in their rooms. 
And we were the, for, the first to make that connection, and that uh, paper was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1982. So the places that you find Legionella bacteria is it's in water. So it's a bacteria in water that causes disease, so it's called a waterborne pathogen. So in the community, you can find it in cooling towers, hot tubs, decorative water features, warm water systems of large buildings, um, you know, commercial office buildings, apartment buildings, condominiums, and in hospitals. And, and about 50% of large buildings with complex warm water systems have Legionella bacteria in them. That's interesting. Um, and thank you for that. What are the common symptoms, I guess, you know, you said that it's it's a it's a pneumonia. So, are the symptoms the same as anyone else who comes down with uh, just a normal pneumonia or regular pneumonia? Yes, and actually, this is the first pearl for your listeners. Really, is that if you go to a physician and you think you have pneumonia, and they listen to your chest or do a chest X-ray because you have symptoms of high fever. One of the one of the uh, sort of signs and symptoms of Legionnaire's disease is a very high fever. But the caveat is in the elderly. Elderly, older people don't mount the same robust fever response. So you, you might have a, a lower fever. Uh, you'll have cough, certainly, with pneumonia, you'll have cough. And as I said, some will have diarrhea. And so the pearl is if you are seeing a physician and they say you have pneumonia, you say, I want you to test me for Legionnaire's disease and I want you to put me on an antibiotic effective in the treatment of Legionella because that antibiotic is going to cover all the sort of normal uh, bacterial causes. So that antibiotic would be azithromycin or levofloxacin. Like, for example, azithromycin is a Z-pack. Many of your listeners like me might have had one for a sinus infection. And so, you know, you can be your own advocate. And the reason I say that is that physicians often don't think about Legionnaire's disease in their differential diagnosis. They'll think you have the pneumococcal pneumonia, the most common one. And so they won't, tr they won't treat you. They won't do the diagnostic workup. You go home, you get worse, and then you come back via the emergency room and go to the intensive care unit. So one of the nice things is you can be your own uh, health advocate and ask for a diagnostic test for Legionella and treatment with antibiotics that are effective against Legionnaire's disease. Oh, that is that is important, and uh, that's something that uh, our listeners really, really need to keep in mind if they, God forbid, come down with pneumonia, that it could be Legionnaire's, and it often is misdiagnosed, correct? Yes. Um, uh, actually, there was a, a study that said even physicians following recommended guidance miss Legionnaire's disease 41% of the time. Wow, that that's that's not good. That is not good. Um, and I I handle Legionnaires cases myself as an attorney, and I have seen uh, it not be be diagnosed more times than I'd like to like to admit. So, um, how many cases would you say a year uh, are documented uh, in the United States? Well, one unique thing about Legionnaire's disease is that when it is diagnosed, it is required to be reported. Uh, so we've already said that the diagnosis is missed a lot of times, and so only a fraction of those cases that are actually occurring are reported. So the estimate is about 30,000 cases per year are occurring, uh, Legionnaire's disease cases are occurring annually in the United States, and, um, and certainly all of those can be prevented if we just sort of address the presence of Legionella in our water systems. 
Okay, thank you, Dr. Stout. So we are talking to Dr. Janet Stout, Legionnaire's disease expert, infectious disease microbiologist, and president of Special Pathogens Laboratory. Now, Dr. Stout, are seniors more at risk of getting Legionnaire's disease? That's a great question, and one that I'm sure your listeners, are, their ears are perked. Uh, and the, answer, the short answer to that is yes. And, and so as we've studied Legionnaire's disease over the years, there are certain groups of people that are more likely to get the disease, meaning where lots of us are exposed to Legionella bacteria in water, but who actually gets sick? So the typical factors that make it more likely are, are you a smoker? Do you have chronic lung disease, COPD? Are you receiving uh, steroids? Uh, do you have any immunocompromising conditions, like are you receiving chemotherapy for cancer? Or are you a transplant patient? Um, but one of the most significant risk factors that has been noted you know, since the beginning is advanced age. And I sort of make a joke about this when I lecture. The CDC says anyone older than, drum roll, 50 years old Ouch. is at greater risk. Yes, I know, I know. So we're all, we're all elderly, we're all together. But basically the risk gets greater as you age. Okay, uh, and there's nothing we can do about that, so we all need to be on our P's and Q's if we get pneumonia. Um, I'm, I'm 59, so I'm in that category. Uh, Dr. Stout, do seniors need to worry about getting Legionnaire's disease? Are they coming into situations uh, where they could be more at risk than others? I mean, considering their advanced age, and but as far as being in certain areas or places, where are, pla- where are hotbeds that they need to be aware of? You know, I, I, I hope that most of your seniors are enjoying a wonderful retirement. And, and part of retirement often involves travel, for example. And uh, there's actually a category of travel-associated Legionnaire's disease, and that's connected to the fact that hotels uh, are a place where we can be exposed to Legionella bacteria, and because of our advanced age, uh, we can go on to develop uh, Legionnaire's disease pneumonia. And the places in a hotel is the warm water system, the faucets and showers, uh, that beautiful decorative water feature in the lobby, you're sort of tempted to hang out by the bar, by the decorative water feature, and they have been linked to cases of Legionnaire's disease. And then finally, that spa or hot tub uh, that feels so good to be in it, uh, but again, uh, cases of Legionnaire's disease have been linked to that. And then the other thing that I, I worry about for seniors is um, because they're at greater risk, Uh, No matter where they go, uh, whether it's uh, at the hospital, they're at greater risk. If that hospital has got Legionella in their warm water system, whether they travel uh, or even in their own homes, we we showed that uh, elder um, senior folks were at greater risk, even from exposure to Legionella bacteria in their own homes. So the simple answer is that there's greater risk. Uh, You want to be vigilant and make sure that the physician tests you if you have pneumonia, tests you for Legionnaire's disease, because treatment is very effective if started early. Okay, thanks for that. Well, you mentioned and and you talked about that hospitals are one of the, uh, wait, I don't know if you said breeding grounds, but uh, I, I believe from what I've read in my experience as a Legionnaire's disease attorney, that hospitals are, are a breeding ground. Um, so the Center for Medicare and Medicaid issued a requirement 
for hospitals to assess whether Legionella is a problem. Um, what became of that? Well, I, I, I love and hate telling this story, uh, and your listeners will appreciate this. So prior to 2017, uh, there was guidance and some standards that were voluntary that said, you know, you really should be assessing risk in large buildings like hospitals. Well, then out of the blue in 2017, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services issued a memorandum that said not only should you all hospitals, healthcare facilities, um, skilled nursing facilities assess the risk, have a water management plan, but also test the water, which is something that, that we have been advocating since the 1980s. And so I, you can just imagine, I was doing my happy dance. I was like, finally, uh, the, the requirement to test hospitals has arrived, and, and that's going to save a lot of lives. And I was happy for one year, Steve. Uh, and what, I, what happened in 2018 is a revision from CMS in that memorandum and they removed the requirement for testing for Legionella, and I got really upset. Uh, and do you I, have any idea why I, that I, happened? Do you, I mean, well, do you nobody have, yeah. nobody has spoken about it, but I can assure you that um, CMS was lobbied heavily by you know organizations like the American Hospital Association to remove it. And we could spend a whole show just sort of talking about the history of this and why that would happen. Um, but, you know, it. this is why I say that seniors are the canary in the coal mine for Legionnaire's disease in hospitals because there's no requirement now uh, to test those hospitals for the presence of Legionella. The people in the hospital, like these seniors that are listening, are the ones that are going to get the disease and then they will make the, hopefully, make the, make the diagnosis and then address the problem. But we want people in hospitals to be more proactive. We don't want people to get sick to be the indicator there's a problem. We want to know by testing the water uh, that there's a problem before people get sick because we, we push sort of a proactive approach called test to protect, which is find out if Legionella is present. Only about 50% of the large buildings like hospitals have Legionella in it. So you want to know, is, it, is your hospital the 50% that have it, or is your hospital or nursing home the 50% that don't? And so I really want to ask your listeners uh, to help me advocate for a change in CMS's position. And I'll just tell you my, my goal, Steve. My goal is to write a piece in AARP about this and sort of you know, uh, you know, send the alarm out uh, to all seniors that this is something that they can actually uh, advocate for with CMS. So, Janet, what you're saying uh, is that obviously seniors are going to probably have a hospital stay somewhere in their immediate future or not so foreseeable future. Um, so th what they can do is is they need to kind of notify Congress or notify their uh, you know, congressmen or senators? Or are you saying that they should actually uh, be notifying their politicians? You know, I, I've been in this for more than 30 years, and I've been waiting for, uh, you know, regulatory agencies like uh, CMS and others, CDC, to be more aggressive at protecting uh, seniors and, and hospitalized patients from the risk of Legionnaire's disease. And at this point in time, 
after what happened with the CMS memorandum, I really believe it needs to be a grassroots effort. Uh, so I would say yes, uh, anyone listening uh, that, that is concerned about this, and you should be, uh, contact your politicians, but also maybe even just submit a, a comment to AARP that says, hey, this is an important issue. Dr. Janet Stout needs to, to let our all of us know about the risks and how we can protect ourselves and what hospitals should be doing to protect their inpatients. Great. AARP uh, is a very, very strong uh, lobbying organization, so I think that's some good advice. Um, Other than that, what can seniors who are in the hospital do, uh, if anything, about uh, reducing their risk of contracting legionnaires? Um, well, at the present time, uh, if, for example, if they were in a, a facility, whether it's a skilled nursing facility, a rehab facility, or an acute care hospital that has Legionella in its water, they wouldn't know. Um, so you can ask, you know, are you testing for Legionella? Or, you know, this is what typically happens. If you would have symptoms, respiratory symptoms, and then be diagnosed with pneumonia, even after you leave the hospital, because the incubation period, the time from exposure to symptoms can be as long as 10 days, make sure that when you speak to your physician that you're tested for Legionnaire's disease and you're given the antibiotic that's effective against Legionella uh, right okay. away. So that, that's what you need to do. That's good advice. Thank you, Dr. Stout, for that information. So we are having a conversation with Dr. Janet Stout, Legionnaire's expert and president of Special Pathogens Laboratory. Now, Dr. Stout, can Legionella be in your home water system? Yes. Um, So that probably frightens uh, your listeners to know that a pathogen might be in their water distribution system in their home. Uh, but I can tell you that more often than not, uh, most most homeowners, because it's a small water system, would be free of Legionella. In our studies, it was about 10% and, and as high as 30%, depending on the study. Uh, but only about 20% of the patients that got Legionnaire's disease that we traced back, actually, we could trace back to their home. So it's rare, but it does happen. How, how is it getting into the water system? Well, you know, the Legionella bacteria are, are in our natural water systems like rivers and lakes, and it goes through the water treatment plant and it survives because it has, it's very tolerant to the amount of chlorine that's in our water. And then it comes into our buildings, into our homes, into the, you know, by the, the distribution network in, in our cities and towns. So it comes in the cold water in undetectable amounts. Then it goes into the warm water system, and that's where it can grow if it finds a nice home there. So are you saying that the, it comes in, uh, it goes uh, from the cold water into the hot water system, uh, doesn't, is, isn't the hot water system supposed to be a certain temperature to uh, you know, make sure that uh, Legionella doesn't grow in, in, in the water system? Most of us at home or even larger buildings like hospitals maintain the temperature uh, not high enough so that it would kill Legionella. So, so it would have to be almost scalding temperatures, like 130 degrees to control Legionella in our water. And most of us have a setting on our hot water tank that's like around 120 or so. And then by the time it comes up into the house, it's about you know 100 to 110 degrees. And Legionella survives pretty well. 
Hmm. So shouldn't there be more than, I mean, you would think that there would be more than uh, just 10% or, or up to 30% uh, of Legionella bacteria in home water systems, correct? Well, the reason, yes, that's a logical conclusion. And actually, the reason that we did a study in the Pittsburgh area of over 200 homes back in the 1990s, because we knew that hospitals had uh, about more than half of them had Legionella in them. And so we wondered if homes were the same. But homes have much simpler plumbing, uh, not that large recirculating hot water system that larger buildings have. And, and we were surprised to find uh, only about 10% of those homes that we studied had Legionella in them. Oh, that's interesting. Um, should seniors uh, turn their hot water tanks off when they fly south for the winter? I mean, that I would think that could be dangerous. Uh, would you agree? Yes, you asked me, you know, what do I worry about? And what do I, you know, what, what do I really want to tell the seniors that are listening? And this is one of the things that I do worry about, because uh, it's, it's not uncommon for snowbirds to leave their northern homes and go south and, and they turn off or turn down the, the, the temperature on the hot water tank when they leave. And that gives Legionella bacteria an opportunity to grow while they're gone. And then they come back, turn the shower on, uh, turn the system back on, and then they, they got Legionella problem in their, in their house. So what would be preferential would be uh, don't turn it off. But if you have to, when you come back, uh, turn up the hot water setting as high as possible and flush the outlets. And I actually have a little protocol. So if people wanted to get that from me, they can uh, contact me at info at specialpathogenslab.com or they can go to our website, and, uh, which is uh, www.specialpathogenslab.com and under the Legionella tab, there's homes and there's a lot of information there about the presence of Legionella in homes. So I think people need to be, you know, knowledge is power and if you understand it better, you can protect yourself better. That, that's really good. Thank you for that. Uh, are there any other simple steps that a, a senior homeowner can take to limit uh, the chances of, of uh, Legionella bacteria growing uh, in their uh, water system? Yes, and, and when you go to our website, you'll see that there's some information of what's called point-of-use filters. Uh, and what this means is that you can put a filter on the end of the faucet or the end of the shower that uh, prevents Legionella from coming through. And, you know, you always ask people, you know, what would I do, right? So what would uh, Janet Stout, the microbiologist that studied Legionella for more than 30 years that calls herself a Legionellologist, what would she do if, for example, uh, I was getting chemotherapy? I knew that I was very immunocompromised. Well, I would put one of those point of use filters on my shower and my frequently used faucet to protect me during that uh, period where I'm highly immunocompromised. So there are some things that can be done. Well, if Dr. Stout is, is saying that uh, we should be putting a filter on, on our shower heads, then uh, I know I'm gonna listen to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, if it's good enough for Dr. Stout, it's good enough for, for Steve Heisler, so, well. <laughs> But those filters are used when there are cases that occur in healthcare facilities as a stopgap measure to protect patients. Uh, so they're, they're used in healthcare as well. That's great. That's great. Dr. Stout, I want to thank you so much for sharing this important information with us. How can our injured senior and aging population community find you 
uh, on social media? Well, they can uh, follow Special Pathogens with an S Lab Laboratory. Uh, so we're on social media. And again, they can reach out to me personally uh, at info at specialpathogens with an S lab.com. That's great. Uh, and of course, th- can you give the website address again? Sure. It's, you know, www.specialpathogens, P A T H O G E N S lab, L A B.com, specialpathogenslab.com. And lots, lots and lots of good information on our website that's very useful. And we also have another uh, informational website, legionella.org. And you can read stories there of, of people who have suffered from Legionnaire's disease and get other frequently asked questions there. So um, both websites have a wealth of information for your listeners. Thanks again, uh, Dr. Stout. We will definitely want to have you back because... Uh, there's so many other things that we can talk about that would be of great value to our listeners. So take care now, and we will be talking to you soon. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Injured senior and aging population community, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, it was a good one. Uh, I want to, again, thank Dr. Stout for appearing on the show today and uh, just giving us so many nuggets that uh, we can use to avoid having a situation uh, that can come from Legionella bacteria. If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you want to share your story on an upcoming show, maybe about Legionnaire's disease that you contracted, or have any other suggestions or comments about the show, please email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. As you know, I answer all emails. So until next time, I am looking forward to next week's show. Stay well, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.